where we left off. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and we'll get a Bible to you so you can follow along. Raise that hand real high if you need a Bible. And if you do not own a Bible, please feel free to keep that as a gift to you from the Lord this morning. We want everyone to have God's Word. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Where did we leave off? You guys remember? 15. All right. You guys were here last week. First service was like one person said, had the right verse. Everybody else was like crickets, everybody else. Verse 15. All right. Everybody there? Chapter 1, all there? All right, let's pray, huh? Ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord, we uh, thank you so much that you are our king. You are our good shepherd. You are our God, and our lives are in your hands, our times are in your hands. Thank you for your shepherding care in our lives and how you're leading and how you're guiding us. Lord, not only individually, but corporately as, a, as your church, as your bride, as your body. And um, we look to you this morning, Lord, we need to hear from you, to be taught by you. Lord, you invited us to come unto you, to learn from you. And, and that is our desire this morning, that we would be instructed by you, that we would um, learn more about you, that we would come to know you in a deeper, more intimate way, and that, God, we would walk in your ways. And so help us this morning, by your spirit, do a fresh work within our lives, within our hearts, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, so the Apostle Paul, you guys may remember, we studied the first 14 verses over the last couple of weeks, and the Apostle Paul reminded us of how blessed we are, correct? You guys remember that? He shared with us all the spiritual blessings that are ours because we've given our hearts to Jesus. You remember some of those blessings that we have been elected and selected? Guys, remember that? God's chosen us. How does that work out? I have no clue, but every one of you was a first-round draft pick to be part of his team. And then he predestined us, he pre-planned us to be adopted into his family to become children of God. And, and what an amazing thing to consider this morning that we are his children because we've, again, because we've given our hearts to Jesus Christ. And Paul reminded us that we've been redeemed, that we've been purchased, purchased in order to be set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only that, we have experienced the forgiveness of sins in our lives, our sins and our lawless deeds, God will remember no more. We've come into a right relationship with God. We've been given the, the, the free gift of righteousness put upon our account, again, because of our trust in Jesus, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, right? Guaranteeing ownership and guaranteeing us that we're going to make it to heaven. Do you know you're going to make it this morning? Okay. It's good to be reminded that also God's revealed his plan to us right? We know the direction that history is going. We know the direction the world is going, correct, as Christians, where it all ends is in the big roundup with God for all eternity. We talked about being in the flow. Are you in the flow? Remember that last week? Either you're in the flow or you're not in the flow. That's the flow of history. That's the flow that God is going. 
working towards, not wanting anyone to perish apart from him, but seeing people come to know him and to be included in his kingdom also. And he uses us to reach people, correct? Does he use us to reach people, you guys? He does. Aren't you glad someone shared with you the good news of Jesus Christ, his word, the gospel? And so Paul reminds us of all these blessings. And now in the second half of this chapter, now the apostle Paul is going to pray for these believers. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna share this amazing prayer that, he's commu- that he's been communicating to God with them. And I think this is, again, very enlightening for me because remember where Paul is when he's writing this letter? He's in prison. And, and don't think like prison system like our prison system, like he's got three square meals, he's got a workout room and TV. Paul's in it like a dungeon with chains. He speaks about his chains later. I mean, if you... We've had a few people that have been in prison in our church, and it's not fun. Can you imagine in a prison in Rome, how brutal, how gnarly it is? And yet Paul's not singing the blues, is he? Or, or, or he doesn't have poor memes. He's encouraging the church, reminding the church of all the blessings that we have because we trusted in Jesus Christ. And not only that, now he prays for them. He's thankful for them in his prayers. And listen, this morning, maybe you're going through a gnarly trial. You're going through difficulty. Man, maybe life's been a bummer for you lately. I think it's a great encouragement, a great reminder to get our eyes on the blessings that we have, every spiritual blessing. And not only that, to be grateful, to be thankful for the people that God brings into our lives. It'll, listen, that will lift you. That'll lift you into the heights, by the way. And that's what Paul does with the church here. And so listen to where he goes this morning. Let's check it out together. Paul prays, verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for most of the saints, for all the saints, Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Let me just stop right there and draw your attention to verse 15. So what did Paul hear while he was in prison? Well, he says, therefore, he begins with a therefore, and every time we see therefore, what do we do? Have to stop and ask ourselves, what is the word therefore? Therefore, you guys are good. You guys got it, right? In light of what's been previously communicated, Paul began by celebrating God, reminding the believers of the wealth we have. Paul said, did something else. When he heard the good news, this beautiful testimony about the Ephesians, he did not stop giving thanks to God for them. Well, notice the two things that he heard about them. What does it say? Number one, he no- what was noted about them? Their trust, their faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then number two, their love for who? All the saints. Who are the saints? Us believers, right? And so Paul heard that healthy stuff was happening in the church at Ephesus. And this is remarkable. Why? Because there was no social media, correct? You couldn't text somebody. You couldn't Snapchat or whatever we do, Twitter, tweet, right? You couldn't send a tweet, I mean, news got to, here's Paul in a Roman prison, and he hears these amazing things about the church. Someone or some ones came to him and shared. Have you guys ever talked behind someone's back? 
Don't be lying in church. Have you guys ever talked behind someone's back? You have, haven't you? I have. We learn here's the right way to talk about someone behind their back. Are you with me? You guys trust Jesus. You're in love with him. I've heard about it. I heard about your love for all of the people of God. You, the word's got now. You're not gossipers. You're not dividers. But you have a love for every single believer in the church. That's remarkable, you guys. They, there was no partiality going on. And it was communicated. I think that's, I mean, I'm challenged. What do people say about us? What do people say about me? Would people say that, wow, his faith is just off the Richter, man. He trusts in Jesus. Look at the steps of faith he's taking. Look at the way, look at the way that, uh, that he allows the Lord to use his life. Look at how he trusts the Lord. Would people say that about me? Would people say that about us or about you, about us as a church? Would people remark about our love for one another? Wow, those, those Calvary Chapel people, Calvary Chapelites, I don't know what we're called. Those people down at Calvary Chapel, look how they love one another. They love every single one of God's people. Would someone declare that my love is radical for my brothers and sisters? I'm, ch I'm personally challenged this morning as I read this. Is that my reputation? Is that our reputation as a church? Well, Paul heard this, and look at verse 16, his response, nonstop thanksgiving for the Ephesian church when he prayed. So Paul received this information it caused him to go to God in prayer and continual thanks for them. And, and by the way, I find this also just another observation that's interesting, is that Paul prayed similarly, uh, praying continually giving thanks for the church of Corinth. If you, read, if you go back and look at 1 Corinth, why is that interesting? How was the church of Corinth doing spiritually? They were, they were jacked up, weren't they? Correct. It, it, by and large, that entire letter is corrective, all the problems in the church. And Paul said, I'm thankful for you, for the grace of, for God's grace in your lives, what he's doing in your lives. So Paul's not only thanking God when things are not good, but also when things are going good in the believer's lives. That's a good reminder for us, is it? Because sometimes all we do is pray for things that are going bad, Right? But we should also be thankful and praying for those brothers and sisters that are doing good. Wow, God. Because I do. I pray for you guys. Man, Lord, thank you for that. Man, look at the step of faith he just took trusting in you. That was awesome. And you met him right there. And that marriage, Lord, they're trusting in you to do God's word. And they did it. And look what you did in their marriage with their kids. Look at that person stepping out and evangelizing, stepping out in faith in their calling and gifting. And Lord, you met him right there. Thank you, Lord. And the way that they're loving each other, that is so amazing. They used to be all bitter and baptized in lemon juice, and now they're loving. <laughs> Lord, that's a work of your spirit. God, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Lord, they used to walk around like Eeyore. Woe is me. <laughs> and now look at them. Look at what you've done. They're loving you and trusting you and loving others. That's healthy stuff. Paul's saying there is healthy stuff going on in the church. And then he goes on. Here's his specific prayer for them. Let's check it out. Verse 17. I'm going to read down a few verses. And here's the prayer that he prays. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And so let's stop right there. So Paul gets to that last verse I just read, and then he just goes off talking about Jesus. It's so cool, isn't it? And so let's break it down, though. Let's look at the components, if you will, of this prayer. Why do we want to break this down, the components? Because this is a spirit-led prayer right here. This is a prayer that God get, that is spirit-led. Well, how do we know that? Because it's in Scripture for all eternity. It's, it, this prayer is praying, is praying the heart and will of God for someone else. So, although Paul's words might be a little more eloquent than ours... We can pray this prayer too, can't we? We can use this as, if you don't know how to pray, if you don't know how to pray for me, pray this prayer. Or someone else. This is a great prayer to pray because it's right in line with God's desire, his wish for our lives. And so look at how he begins. Paul begins by what? Appealing to the Father, right? And isn't that how Jesus taught us how to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so Jesus said, when you come before God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, to pray, you say, our Father, our Dad. That's remarkable to consider this morning, isn't it? That we get to call him our Father, our Dad. And so Paul begins that way, and he asks that God, the Father, would freely give or freely bestow, um, number one, uh, the spirit of wisdom. And by the way, that word spirit, I looked it up. It's interesting. It means a breath or breeze or a blast. Don't you guys need like a blast of wisdom every once in a while? <laughs> or a breeze of wisdom or a breath of wisdom. The word wisdom literally means clarity. And, and, and wisdom is the ability to know how to navigate circumstances and situations. And, and we know that, and James tells us, James chapter 1, when if we're lacking wisdom to do what? To ask, and God will give it to us. How? Liberally, freely, right? Undeservedly. Like, you'll lavish that wisdom upon us. And by the way, it's in his timing. Because sometimes we're like, Lord, give me wisdom. I need wisdom now in this circumstance. And we wait two minutes, and then what do we do? I'm done praying. I didn't get the wisdom I wanted. Right? So we keep praying. We keep asking. Ask. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock, didn't he? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So Paul prays that we would get a, a breeze or a blast of wisdom and revelation. Revelation means to unveil, to uncover. It also means to bring light to. Bring light to what? To the knowledge of him. That we would know God. Isn't that beautiful? That we would know God, that he would, he would reveal more of himself to you and to me. To know more about his character 
to know more about who he is, and primarily we know him through his word, but we're also taught in the scriptures that God reveals himself to us through creation, doesn't he? Does God reveal himself to us through creation? Jesus said, consider the lilies, didn't he, of the field, the birds of the air, they'll preach a sermon to you. Of our, of our Father's care and His concern for our lives. How much more valuable are you than birds, Jesus asked. You are of infinite worth because He sent His Son to die for you and to me to pay the price for our lives. And so I would say something cool here is that God has wisdom to give about Himself. And number two, God has something to reveal about Himself to us. And so Paul prays, may God give you a fresh breeze of clarity and light about himself as you walk with him. May God help you to know him, that he may reveal more of himself to you. Is that a prayer we can pray for one another? Oh, Lord, that that you would reveal more of yourself to my kids. That you would reveal more of yourself. Show your wisdom to my bride, to my babe. Help her out. Help her to connect the dots spiritually to see how things are rolling out. As she spends time in your word, that you would open her eyes to see. And you know what? I'm learning um, that the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I, more I realize I don't know that much. Some people, it's like they know everything, don't they? I'm just realizing more and more, the, the longer I've walked with Jesus and I've walked a while with him, like I don't know that much. As I'm spending time in the Word and reading the Word, it's like, oh, I never saw that before. Oh, God, thank you for showing that to me, revealing that to me. But I want to know Him more. Right? Jesus said that should be our boast. God said that would be our boast in Jeremiah, that we know and understand Him. In fact, Moses prayed that, Lord, teach me your ways that I might know you and that I might walk in your ways. Paul, after walking with Jesus for decades, said, I want to know Him more. I want to know him more. Because the more you get to know him, what happens? You love him more, don't you? You trust him more, don't you? Isn't that how it rolls out in personal relationships? The more you get to know someone, you get to trust them or maybe not trust them so much. <laughs> right? It's time and withness produce revelation. The more time you're with someone, the more you're with them. Stuff gets revealed about them. The more time you spend with the Lord. He reveals more and more about himself to you and to me because he wants us to know him. But here's the deal. We can't know or understand God apart from Jesus. We can't know God by our own intellect, by our own endeavors. For us to know God, it takes an illumination of his spirit. Why? Because knowing God comes through revelation. The spirit of God opening our eye, the eyes of our understanding. The natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. And, there are, and maybe you've come this morning and you're, you're hearing this, you're reading it on the board. Oh, you got a Bible put in your lap and you're saying, I don't understand any of this. Can I encourage you to open your heart, to give your heart to Jesus this morning? Because once the author comes into your heart, he's going to help you to see. He's going to give you the ability to see and to understand his word. It goes from being words on a page to life. It goes from from black and white and red to him speaking to your heart and him changing your life by the power of his spirit. But you have to open up your heart to him because spiritual things can only be understood spiritually with the Holy Spirit living in us. That's why we need to ask. 
Lord, help me to understand this passage. Lord, help my brothers and sisters to understand what we're learning this morning. Remember what happened with Peter? You guys, remember they, Jesus and his disciples? They were at um, Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asked a question. Who do men say that I am? You guys remember that? Did Jesus have like amnesia? Like, is he trying to figure out who he is? Like, who am I? Is, he, is that the case? No, and remember, there was no shortage of opinions either, was there? Some say John the Baptist, some say one of the prophets, Elijah, right? Just like today, no shortage of opinions of what people say or, or what people say about Jesus or who he is, correct? And then Jesus said, probably the most important question that we could ask of ourselves, but who do you say? Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? And remember Peter? Peter didn't even raise, Peter never raised his hand, by the way, in class, did he? He's just one of these guys that just opens it up. And he, but he said, remember what he said? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. It was revealed. Jesus even prayed, thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you revealed these things to babes. Are you with me? And so we come as, as, we come as Christians as babes to him. Babes doesn't mean a bunch of hotties, by the way. <laughs> we come as children. Recognize it, Lord, I need you to teach me. I don't know it all. I'm not wise in my own eyes. I don't know it all. I need you to instruct me, to teach me, to guide me, to work in my heart and to work in my life. And so notice Paul mentions the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, to be made to see spiritually. Literally, it means to reach balanced conclusions. Isn't that interesting? The eyes of your understanding. The understanding means to reach a balanced conclusion. I love that because we as Christians should be able to come to balanced conclusions. One, what do you mean by that, Mike? One example is last week when we talked about the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Right? Does the Bible teach both? Does the Bible teach both, gang? Yes. Yeah. The Bible teaches both. I, in Proverbs 16.1, I was just sharing with a young man the other day. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue belongs to the Lord. That's man's responsibility and God's sovereignty, right? We're chosen, but we have to choose also, don't we? Correct? Are you with me still? That's a balance. That's coming to a balanced conclusion as you study the Word of God. Gang, as we get into the Word of God, the Lord reveals these things to us, reveals things about His character, about His nature, who He is, how He deals with man. And so we come to a balanced conclusion about who God is. And so what's the first request, the first component, really? He says in verse 18, that you may know, that you may recognize, discover, experience, that you may be able to connect the dots spiritually, the hope of his calling, the absolute expectation of good in God's calling on your life. Do you know God has a calling on your life this morning. Do you guys know that God has a calling on your life this morning? Do you know that? 
He's called us as Christians out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called us all to follow him, hasn't he? Is that the call on our lives? Number one, to follow him. First Corinthians, Paul put it this way. Listen to this. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you and I have been called into fellowship. Fellowship means relationship, intimate connection with Jesus Christ to stay committed to him, to stay connected to him, no matter what the outward circumstances are or the inward emotions that are going on in your heart and your life. We are to abide in Jesus, to follow him. And what the beautiful promise is, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Isn't that an awesome promise? Isn't that a great calling this morning? He didn't say, you need to go and get 20 years of seminary. I'm not down on seminary, I just, different Bible study, different conversation. But it's, it's that, because it's, because it's that simple. That means everybody, it means God is equal opportunity. God wants us all to be fishers of men. And what's the promise? Come follow me, come hang out with me, come spend time with me, abide with me, learn from me. And the prom, what's the promise? I will make you. Is that a promise from Jesus? Does God keep his promises? Is that a good promise? Literally in the Greek, it's I will be making you a fisher of men. That's awesome. Does God have a calling on your life? He's called us to make disciples, hasn't he? Correct? All nations? That's a great calling, isn't it? Is that a great calling? It's a great calling. And by the way, walking with Jesus, following him, the life that he's called us to is full of hope. He says that you would know what? The hope of his calling. Paul's prayer is that we would connect the dots spiritually and see this. And by the way, there's two types of hope. There's worldly hope and there's biblical hope. Do you guys know what I mean by worldly hope? I hope I get an A next week in my test in math may or may not happen. Correct? Correct? I may hit the lottery. And if we do, if I do, I'm going to buy the church a new building. That'd be, or whatever. I would say, pray about your stewardship, first of all. It, it may happen, it may not. Correct? That's worldly hope. Right? It's a long shot. I hope it happens. Chances are it won't. If, if my hope is in other people, I've, I'll be let down. If my hope is in myself, guess what? I'm going to be let down. But biblical hope, guess what? It is the absolute expectation of good. Why? Because it's based upon whom I'm trusting in and what he's given me. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ and his word, his promises. Are you guys with me on that? God promised it. It's going to happen. I'm looking forward to it. I'm anticipating it. I'm looking forward with, with, with expectancy and excitement. My hope is sure because it's rooted in the faithful one, Jesus Christ, the unchanging one, the Lord Jesus. And so God has a purpose for your life. And Paul's praying for the church that, that they would recognize that. There's something that God has called you to do and that God is something he's called you to be also. And by the way, 
Some of you may be called to full-time ministry. Some of you may be called to the missions. But guess what? God wants to use your life right where you are right now. Whether you're a plumber, to be involved in his work right there. Seeing other people come to know Jesus. Maybe, you're a, maybe you are a mom. That is a high calling. It is a, listen, we've been called, Paul says to Timothy, we've been called with a holy calling. It's not a common run-of-the-mill calling. You and I have a sacred, special calling from God on our lives. He's rescued us, pulled us out of the muck, out of the mire, out of darkness, into his marvelous light, that we would be light wherever he has us. Are you with me? Well, how do I discover that, Pastor? I don't know how to find that out. Just walk with Jesus daily. He will direct you. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. You guys know it, don't you? You guys have it hanging on your wall? Anybody have it hanging on their wall at home? Does anybody know what those verses are? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. That's the, if you're NIV positive. He, he'll, he's going to direct your steps. He's going to lead. Isn't that a great promise? I don't know which way to go. Just do that right there. It's that simple. And then with expectation and excitement, guess what you'll be doing? You'll be walking right in his calling. And it's, it's easy and light. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, wow. And what begins to happen? God's using your life. And you're going, wow, this is amazing. But Paul wants us to see that. God is a calling on your lives. He doesn't save us for nothing, but he saves us for something. God is a calling for you. So he prays, God, would you open their eyes? Help them to connect the dots spiritually. May they look forward with anticipation and excitement to what you have for them. Listen, and I need to bring this up because I know there may be some of us who have lost hope for whatever reason. I talk to people all the time that have lost hope or lost expectation. Can I encourage you? God is not finished with you yet. God's not done. The Bible tells us he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And he does all things well. He wants to do something great in your life. Remember, again, when Peter had that little interview with Jesus, he had denied the Lord how many times? Three times, and Jesus called him into ministry, back into ministry. He said three times, do you love me, Peter? Do you care about me, Peter? Then here's what I want you to do for me. I'm not done with you yet. And the Lord's not done with you yet. The problem, and here's, here's one of the, you know, I'm going to get off on a tangent here. <laughs> I think we need to, because we can sometimes have a tendency to look at the bad stuff or what God is not doing in our lives. Do you know what I mean by that? God's not doing this and he's not doing that. And you know, it happened to a great man of God. You know, it happened to a great man of God, that same thing, who doubted. You guys remember John the Baptist? Remember when he was in prison? You guys remember that story? You guys remember this morning still? We still connecting? We good? He's in prison for doing the right thing, right? And he's sitting in prison, and he's hearing about Jesus. Man, this guy, the Messiah, he's opening the eyes of the blind. 
The dead are being raised. The captives are being... I'm captive and I ain't been set free. I'm in this dungeon. I'm in prison. Look at these chains. What are you talking about? The sun sets you free. You're free indeed. I'm sitting here. Hey, guys, go and ask him if he's the one. Or should we look for someone else? I would say that's a... He's doubting, isn't he? Correct? Because remember, in the beginning of his ministry, he pointed at Jesus and said what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he went on record. I testify that he is the Son of God. But now he hit a rough patch. You guys ever hit rough patches in your life? You guys ever hit a little turbulence? A little bit of doubt? A little bit of... It's dangerous. What you... Because doubt, doubt is happen. Doesn't doubt happen? You guys ever doubt? The question is, what do you do with your doubt? If you let it play out and, and keep doubting, then what can happen? You can have an evil heart of unbelief. But if you seek the truth, the truth will what? That's what he did. He sent his guys to Jesus to ask him. So good. Are you with me? That's what you need to do. When there's a little bit of doubt, you're not... And, John the Baptist was saying, how come I'm not getting set free? How come these things aren't happening in my life? And what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't answer those guys that came to him right away, but what did he do? He started performing miracles, doing all these things, and they said to John's disciples, go back to John and tell him the things you see and hear. And tell him, blessed is he who is not offended in me. Hey, Tell John, don't worry about what's not happening. Here's what is happening. Listen, can I encourage you, brother or sister, to look at the things that are happening in your life? Not the things that are not happening. And we need to be aware and have hope. There's a reason why, why we are still here, and it's because there's something that good, that great, that God really wants to do with each one of us and in each one of us. You and I have a calling. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ transformed into his image from glory to glory. Isn't that a great calling too, by the way? Is that a great calling to be made more and more like Jesus or is that kind of average? That's amazing, isn't it? Are you guys stuck back there with John the Baptist? Let's fast forward a little bit here. Romans 8 speaks about our calling, that we're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That means everything that happens in our lives, the situations, the people that God brings, he's using all of that to make us more like Jesus, to develop us, to have his heart, to have his mind, to have his care, his concern for others as well. Are you with me? To become more like Jesus, there's nothing greater than that. And then to experience his upward call to be with him. Our hope is a living hope. It is sure, sufficient, powerful. What else did Paul pray? Let's get back to the text here. What does it say? Verse 18, that we would also know what are the riches, oh yeah, riches, of the glory, yeah, glory, of his inheritance in the saints. Isn't that interesting? That we would know the abundance of the weightiness, the glory of what God will inherit, of what God will receive in his people. This is so interesting to me. So God doesn't save us for nothing. He saves us for something, correct? His calling, right? You guys with me still? 
He saves us for his calling. He doesn't save us for nothing, but he also saves us for someone, for himself. This is like super important. Because you look at this and it's like, what could God possibly inherit? It's all his. It all belongs to him, doesn't it? The fullness of the earth, doesn't it all belong to God? What could he possibly inherit? What does he inherit? Who are the saints? Look around the room. We are, I mean, I almost have to laugh. We're his inheritance. Because <laughs> don't you think sometimes, Lord, you got a lemon. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, somehow I snuck in <laughs> to this program. But I mean, that's why Paul's praying this. That we would see, we would know, we would recognize how much the Lord loves us how valuable we are to him, how much he treasures us. It brings God glory. That's what Paul's saying here. That makes him look good. It brings him pleasure. And you think about it, you think about your life, what it was like before. We're going to learn that in a couple weeks in Ephesians 2. What your life was like before Jesus. And then you look at your life now. And hasn't he done a cool work in your life? Right? And I know I'm not what I should be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. And I can't wait to see what I'm going to be. It's going to be like, wow, and we step into glory. Look what the Lord did. But along the way, we get from glory to glory, he's doing these things in our lives and transforming and changing us. It's hard to fathom. We are a treasure to him. But listen to what Jesus says. This is so remarkable. Jesus said, if you're taking notes, Matthew 13, Jesus said again, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You know who the treasure is? You and I. We didn't sell anything to get Jesus. He gave everything for us. He gave his very life to rescue us and save us. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. We weren't seeking Jesus. He came seeking us. Correct? We were lost. We didn't find him. I was like, oh, man, I was looking. I found, wow, I found Jesus. He found me. He rescued me. He paid the price for you and for me. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, That Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. I think the joy of not only of of finishing the work the Father sent him, but also the Bible tells us in the book of Jude that it's going to bring Jesus joy to present us before the Father. That's an amazing thing to consider, isn't it? When you're presented faultless before the Father with exceeding joy, Joy, the Bible says. You guys remember in the Old Testament, the, the high priest? He had an outfit, didn't he? You guys remember the outfit of the high priest? Anybody remember? Had like this big giant, like miter, some kind of hat, right? Big old gold plate on the front, gold plated thing on the front. He wore a breastplate. Remember the bre- he had a breastplate? And over the shoulder and over the heart, what was placed in there? Like just some rocks off the street that they put in there? There's lots of rocks in Israel, by the way. Is there some rocks stuck in there? Precious stones. Twelve of them to represent how many tribes of Israel? Twelve tribes. 
So the high priest who was to represent God to the people and the people to God was carrying God's people on his heart and on his shoulder because those precious stones represented God's people. They're precious to him. You are precious and valuable to God. We are his inheritance. Do you know the Father loves you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Do you treasure your kids? No amens to that? Well, I'm going to go over there and tell those kids after church. You treasure your kids, don't you? I mean, I wish my kids would just stay with me <laughs> till the rapture or till that's it. But it's kind of weird having some 30-somethings. I'm sorry for your 30-somethings still live with mom and dad. <laughs> I, I know I offend, I mean, I'm, I'm not on purpose. Because you value them, you treasure them, you love them. But eventually they got to fly, right? Little birdies, like arrows in the quiver. We take them out and bling, the right direction. We are God's treasured possession. I don't quite get it, and that's why Paul prayed that we would get this. Why does he love us? I have no clue. He doesn't look and say, oh, they're so cute, so wonderful. But God is love. He is love. And then Paul prayed, look at verse 19. Here's the third component, really, or fourth component or whatever. I lost track. I got a lame outline this morning. That we would know, look at verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? Whose power? God's power towards who? Us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So God wants us, God's speaking through Paul, he wants us to know that we can experience his power in our lives. How powerful is God? Is anything too hard for God? No way. Literally towards us means in union with or flowing towards those who believe. I mean, isn't that amazing? God would share his strength with us. Does anybody else, anybody else find that amazing? Remember when Paul had the thorn in his flesh and he pleaded with the Lord three times. He's like, oh Lord, take this thing away. It's so gnarly. And Jesus spoke to him. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. His strength, the strength of the Lord made perfect in our weakness. And Paul's like, I'll boast in my weakness then. I'll boast in my infirmities. That way God's anointing and his strength is upon my life. God wants us to experience his strength in our lives. Listen this morning. Are you physically, emotionally, mentally spent this morning with your life? Are you overwhelmed? Are you walking in fear? Let me encourage you. God wants to share his mighty power with you. To be the uplifter of your head. To be the strength of your life. To help you get through this season because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world and his perfect love casts out fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind, gang. That's what God has given you in me. And Paul is praying for the believers that we would experience that in our lives. Not that we just have it up here in our heads, but that we would walk in that strength and experience his strength. And how does it happen? When we step out in our calling, when we step out in obedience to his word, we experience the strength of God. Are you with me? That's how it happens. 
Not just sitting around going, okay, Lord, hit me with some power. I'm going to the powerhouse church and power whatever. It's stepping out in what God called you to do, to love others as you love yourself, to love your wife, to submit to your husband. That takes the work of the Spirit, doesn't it, gals? takes the power of the Lord to forgive someone. Think about someone right now in your heart and your mind that you're not forgiving. And ask the Lord this morning to help you to forgive that person. You know what he'll do? He'll help you. He'll give you the strength to do that. And you step out in that. Someone that you need to give grace to, to be patient with, to come alongside, to encourage someone. He shares his strength with us. And the ultimate example, look at, of God's mighty power at work, verse 20. It's when, it says, when God demonstrated his power in Jesus, when he raised Jesus from the dead, then lifted Jesus up to the right hand, right? In the heavenlies. Resurrection power, lifting up power, elevating power. Guess what is available for you and I this morning? In your marriage, in your life, in your ministry, in your and your sin that you're dealing with, you're struggling with, the temptation you're dealing with. Maybe it's an addiction. It's a problem. You know, the Lord wants to help you this morning. His strength is available for you and for me. On that Friday, you guys remember, on that Friday, we're going we're gonna to look at it this week. On that Friday, all hope was lost, correct? Only weakness was on display. Death reigned, but Sunday came, didn't it? And Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection, you guys, is so important. If, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, God can do something great in your life. He can help you walk in your calling and use your life in amazing ways. Can I encourage you to embrace? I'm so weak, Pastor. I don't have, this, I don't have the, the study in. I don't know the word. And I, you know what? Don't make excuses. Just say, Lord, here's my weakness. Will you use me? I'll step out in what you're calling me to. You give it to him. You give it to him and let his power fuel you in your life. And you know what? His power is not only available to us, it's available in us. Paul's going to pray that later in chapter 3. And so you are not powerless. You, this morning, you don't need to run on empty. You say, Lord, fill me up. Give me your strength to do this. Do you believe that? Do you, do you guys... That's like 30% of the room. Do you guys believe the power of God? The power of the resurrection? It's for you and for me. The Lord shares that power with us. Are you experiencing his power? Are you tapping into that power? It's not, it doesn't happen apart from him. It's in connection with him. Because apart from Jesus, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the resurrection tells us that God can make your life fruitful, your marriage fruitful, your life fruitful, your life productive. He can infuse hope and freshness. All those things empower us to, to do what he calls us to do, to seek him, to live for him, to resist temptation. Listen, God, listen, God gives us his power to do, you know, something else, to love the unlovable. Do you know that God wants you to love the unlovable? Do you guys know that this morning? Or no? Does God love the unlovable? How do you know that? Because he loves you. That's right. Get, 
Give them a special treat donut across the way, extra one. Listen, I am learning difficult people are a blessing. Do you guys ever have difficult people in your life? Sometimes we're the difficult people, aren't we? Correct? But I am learning, you know what? They show me whether I'm trusting and living by God's strength or my own. Because God will give you the strength to love those people. Because he loves those people. To care for them. And it's not by willpower or ingenuity. Again, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that's available to you and to me. And what's, look what it says. The, the key, I think the key is in verse 19. Towards us who believe, simply trust. Either you believe or you don't. This morning, either you believe or you don't believe. Really, either you believe he has a plan for your life, a calling in your life, or you don't. I can pray till I'm blue in the face for you, but unless you say, I believe, I trust you, Lord, it's not going to go anywhere. You'll be out of the flow. Like we talked about last week, God wants you in that flow, trusting him, knowing how much you are valuable to God and how he has strength for you to walk in what he's called you to walk in. He'll give you everything you need to be successful in what he's called you to do when you look to him, when you trust in him. Amen? Amen. Let's finish up. We've got a couple minutes. Actually, this is the second service. We've got a couple hours. Yes. <laughs> so Jesus raised from the dead, seated at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above. Jesus is way above all principality, whatever, every priority, whatever's preeminent above all rule, above all power, all authority, all might, all strength, all dominion, all rule and reign. That would include all demonic power and authority too. Jesus is over it, right? And his name is the name that's above every other name. No, listen, no other name comes close to the name of Jesus. His name is the name above all other names. In this age, the age to come, there is no greater name than the name of of Jesus. And notice all of this. He's far above all of this. And he, God, put all things under his feet. This is why Jesus is Lord, by the way. Are you with me? This is why Jesus is the supreme authority. Is Jesus the supreme authority in your life? Because if he's not, you're going to get jacked up. That's what we're learning in the book of Jude. If Jesus is not the supreme authority, the absolute authority in your life, you're going to be messed up. I'll be messed up if he's not. He's above all. There's no greater name. Jesus put, uh, the Father put all things under his feet. That means everything's under his control. Jesus is seated. Is Jesus pacing back and forth? Is he worried? Is he all stressed out up there? Is he all stressed out, do you think? He's not. But think about us. We get overwhelmed, don't we? Let's get over, nobody, nobody here? It's, this is over my head. This is, what's the saying? This is above my pay grade. Don't, right? Because you're laughing, you know what I'm talking about? Do you notice everything over our head is under his feet? Can you rest in that this morning? Can you take a big, deep LA fitness breath and say, everything's going to be okay? He's in control. I trust him. I trust him with my life. I'll walk in his calling. 
Do you think his calling is going to be bad on your life? Because don't, don't, you know, don't people think that? If I give Jesus my all, he's going to send me to Africa to sleep <laughs> on the dirt and eat big bugs. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? Th- but think about it as parents, moms and dads. Do we sit around thinking about how we can make our kids' lives miserable? Oh. Honey, that sounds awesome. Let's do that to them tomorrow. Yeah. Right, that'll really jack them up and really make them bummed. Is that what par- parents, you guys do that with your kids? Do you want the best for them? You do, don't you? You want their life to be blessed, to be great, correct? How much more, Heavenly Father? His calling is awesome. Everything's under his feet. You can rest. I can rest. Look at this, as he finishes, the father, what does he do? He put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Who leads the church? Jesus. He's the purpose. We, the church centers around him. He's the head. He's in charge. It's, whose church is it? It's Jesus' church. Does he build his church? Did he promise that? Can we rest in that too this morning? He's going to build his church. He's the head. He brings the increase. And then the church, which is his body. His body, who are the body parts? Are we the body parts? We are. Each of us, valued and treasured by God. Do you guys treat your body pretty good? Do you guys treat your body pretty good this morning? You do, don't you? Guess how God wants us, us to treat one another? Pretty good. Correct? Where his body. And then look at how it ends. This is so good. The fullness of him who fills all in all. We are the recipients of his fullness. John wrote, and of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. Who's going to fill you in your emptiness? Jesus is. Who's going to meet you in your loneliness? Jesus is. Who's going to fill you when you're running on fumes? Jesus is. Who's going to supply all your needs? Who's going to supply all your needs? Jesus Jesus is. You're running on empty today. Say, Lord, fill me up. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. And guess what? He's faithful. He keeps his promises. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this amazing portion of Scripture and God, I just pray for my brothers and sisters that they would take away those things that have come from your heart. That, Lord, we would understand um, the hope of our calling. And to see the hope of our calling. To know that it is good because you are good. And Lord, to to know and to be reminded of and really to to take to heart that we are your valued possession and that those around us, our our brothers and sisters, are a valued possession too. That you treasure us and love us, God, and that we would come to a deeper understanding of that this morning. 
and that we would experience your strength, your power as we look to you. God, forgive us. So often we look to our own smarts, our own sufficiency, our own strength. And God, I pray this morning that um, we would look to you.